Welcome to the Sergio Delamora Leadership Podcast. Hi, everyone. Today, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to talk with you and also with Chris Durso about something that I believe uh, it's a conversation we've been having, Chris and I have been having, and we've been having it really around the world about raising paradoxical leaders. Leaders who, when you know them and you see them, don't really make sense, but when you get to know them, it makes all the sense in the world why God's using them. And when you think of a paradoxical leader, you have to think about Chris Dursa. Not only is because he's led uh, Misfits, one of the greatest youth movements in America, but now transitioned to a senior pastor. Um, You definitely are a guy who's breaking the rules, the nomenclatures of the day. You're in Brooklyn, a city that has experienced great transition. Yeah. Uh, You've transitioned. Um, What is it about your life, Chris, that you can say to someone whose life doesn't make sense that's made you a paradoxical leader, leader that on the front doesn't make sense, but on the back end makes all the sense in the world? Yeah, well, first off, thanks for having me. Um, and I, when, I, when I think of that statement, a paradoxical leader, uh, I totally fit into it because it doesn't even make sense to me. You know, I grew up with ADD. Uh, I had a stuttering problem for a bit. Uh, I hated education. I hated to read. I, I always just did enough just so I could get by um, because my idea was I just want to get out of school. I don't want to preach. I'm pastor's kid. I was trying to get as far away from all of that as possible. Now I look at my life. I oversaw youth ministry, uh, my parents' church for almost 12 years, Misfit NYC, stepped out of that role for the past two years, and I've just been serving my parents, uh, written two books. I'm blown away by it. It, it, does, it doesn't make sense for me. So only, imagine going God. back to your high school teachers, <laughs> right? Look at me now. Yeah. yeah. No. Did they expect um, that you would be an author, published author? Not like self-published, like published author. I, I, I think, to be honest with you, I actually have really great teachers around me. My, my parents always made sure I went to good school. So when I think of, when I think of my, my teachers, they were always encouraging to me, but probably in the back of their mind that the comments I wouldn't hear, they, they probably doubted me. I mean, I was, I was a loose cannon. I was, you know, I was the kid that would just come to school late or not show up, ditch school, do things in school that I shouldn't be doing. Like, so I was, I was, I was that. So I wouldn't be shocked if they, if they saw me now and they'd be surprised, uh, see me doing what I'm doing. When God started touching your life, Mm. when did you realize, at what moment did you feel or sense, there is a real touch of God on me. This, there is something about me that is not normal. Well, was it a conference you spoke at? Man, it's probably, it's probably four different moments, but I'll, I'll talk about one of the first ones. I was seven years old. I'm in my parents' kitchen and our overseeing pastor pastor jim Simbola, is over for dinner and he prophesies over me and he says that god is going to use me similarly to how god had used him now at this moment i'm in the middle of add ritalin is not working so when you hear that kind of word over your life and then at seven years old at seven i knew it was true in fact i was frustrated that it was true because i didn't want to be a pastor i didn't I didn't want to do any of that. I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in that, that kind of home. However, I spent my life knowing what I was supposed to do, but then running from it. And then I remember another moment where, who was my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, said to me, Chris, why are you running from the very thing we all know you're called to do? And like that's a moment right there because when you're, when you're a girl, when you're a woman believes in you, and, yeah. you know, when, she, when she spoke that over me and when she said that to me, it meant so much to me that it was 
it was an aha moment. But I, I had, I'm, man, I'm, I'm persistent and I'm stubborn. So I've just had so many of these moments where like I'd give a little like, I got I'll do it this way. I actually went to school for psychology. So I'm actually uh, only seven credits away from my psych degree. And people ask me all the time if I'm gonna finish it. But the truth is I always say no, because I was getting my psych degree out of disobedience. I was saying to God, I will help people this way, but I'm not preaching. I don't wanna get on stage. I don't wanna get before people. I don't wanna do any of that. I'll, I'll help people that way. And it was around all of that when God got a hold of me and I walked out. I mean, I'm seven credits away. I walked out uh, right, right before that semester. I didn't sign up for classes. And I just said, I'm going full-time ministry. And my parents said, come on, they never challenged it. They never said, you better finish that degree. They knew that I was running from it. So I feel like I've had so many of those moments. And now that God's using you in so many different places all over the world, I want you to talk to us, Chris, about your, your development as a minister. Um, where are some of the things that you did different? This, you know, the God who breaks the rules, right, to find you, to use you. Um, God obviously has been breaking the rules through you. You've shifted how youth ministry should be done. But not just that, you're entering a new season as a pastor. But on your way up, what were some of the things that you saw God do in your life that everyone took a second look like, oh, really? Yeah, sorry, so you'll, you'll laugh at this one. So I grew up in a church where the only other church I knew of was the Brooklyn Tabernacle. I honestly didn't know that other churches existed. So I didn't know anything about conferences. I didn't grow up in a conference setting. I didn't know that people brought in guest speakers. I just, I didn't know any of that. So fast forward, I'm now doing youth ministry. We're not even misfit at the time. We're, we're still under the old name, which was Youth Explosion. And I get an email from the Potter's House, Bishop T.D. Jakes invites me to come preach a Sunday morning for their youth. So my first speaking engagement is for the Potter's House. So I get, I accept Okay, hold it. on. Bishop T.D. Jakes. The Bishop T.D. Jakes. Your first speaking assignment. Was for his, for his youth ministry on a, on a Sunday. So I go there and I preach. And as a result of now, I don't know any better. So I'm just there and I'm happy to be there. It was probably horrible. Um, but I was probably passionate and I wanted to just love on these people. And then as a result of that, I get back home and now I have all of these emails from all of these churches inviting me to come preach for them. And I remember saying to somebody, and I'm like, well, why is this happening? I'm telling you, I didn't, I didn't know. I was so naive. And then someone said, well, Bishop had you. And Bishop had you. Everybody wants you. I'm like, but they don't know me. I, it, so I, I remember just having this, this moment and to top it off, now I'm being invited into circles that I didn't grow up understanding or knowing uh, what to do, how to handle certain moments. I remember going to a church and I'm preaching at the end, they, they jump on the organ and I didn't grow up in a church where they jump on the organ. So I'm like, what do I do? But I'm, I'm preaching and now they're, they're, they're yelling at me to sing and I'm like, I don't sing. You know, so I've, 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 had, all these, I've had all these moments where you, you do learn on the fly. You do, uh, you do realize what's cultural and what's biblical and, and what you should say and what you shouldn't say. And so for me, it's, it's been one massive learning experience, which I'm honestly completely humbled by. I want you to talk to a young leader who is experiencing um, the cave of his ministry of their life and God's working it out in them. What's one word of encouragement you'd say to them? I, I would encourage that person. So when you just had said that right away, I thought of David. Mm -hmm. And I would, 
I would ask you to ask yourself, what do you need to stop doing? There's this moment in the Bible where David needs to, he's by himself. And then those, those misfits, they, they come and meet him. And I know it seems like one big setup here, but I didn't plan on sharing this. Um, but before he goes to figure out what he needs to do, he goes to a king and says, can you take care of my, my family? He says, can you take care of my family? So he didn't stop being related to his family, but he asked the king to take care of his family so that he can go get alone, so that he can go hear from God, so that he could figure out what God wanted him to do. I find it so interesting that he was willing to put something on pause. He was willing to put a relationship on pause and say, I can't do this in this moment. It doesn't mean that you're going to never be friends with someone again. It doesn't mean that you're not going to jump back into that relationship. But what do you may need to put on hold in order so that you could you could hear from God? He then went to Judah after that moment. He yeah. went to the place of praise. So he went to that place where he was able to praise, but before he was able to praise, he had to put something on hold. And I, I think as leaders, when we think about our lives, when we think about our schedules, uh, I would encourage you to make sure that you get ahead of the schedule and don't allow the schedule to get ahead of you. You, you own the schedule. The schedule should not own you. You have to make sure you're doing what you need to be doing. You're a part of what you should be a part of and what you shouldn't be a part of. Don't feel guilty about it. Just put it on pause for a second so that you can get back to it. Because when you get back to it, you'll be better for it. Thank you. Wow. Thank you very much, Chris Durso. And that is what we would call a paradoxical leader. I know that this had to inspire you. Thanks for watching.